Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 10. We have learned that in order to achieve Simha in our lives, we must have the Midah of Hakarat Hatov. We must be people who appreciate when we get something. Appreciate it so much that we want to give back. Then we know we have Hakaratatov. In order to have Hakaratatov, we learned that a person's nature has to be one of a giver. One who is a giver, when they receive, they appreciate what they got and they want to give back. I'd like to share with you today some precious words from a sefer called Aleshur. He writes, Yesh ro'e mehutzalo. There is a person who sees outside of himself. Ve'yesh she'eno ro'e ba'olam ella et atzmo. There is a person who only sees himself. Nobody else in the world does he see. Only himself. Let's stop for a moment to understand what he's saying. Have you ever met a person like this? That only sees himself? Doesn't see anybody else in the world? Who is that person? Lo'alenu, a blind person. But he's describing a regular person who sees. Which person do we know that is like this, who only sees themselves and doesn't see anybody else. Let me try to describe to you through an example of what he's trying to say. A person could walk into a room. He could walk into shul on Shabbat. And when he sees the first person, he looks at him and says, Oh, that guy, he's got money. Maybe one day I need him for a job, maybe for a partnership. Maybe he'll bring me in on a deal. Maybe I'll be collecting for a cause. And I'm going to need that person. So I go over to that person and I say a Shabbat Shalom. In a warm way. I see another person. And that person doesn't have really money for me. But he has a lot of connections. He's well connected with politicians. He's well connected in Israel. You know, if I need to get into Israel or I need a passport last minute. Or God forbid somebody's in jail. And I need someone to help me. This guy is connected. I need him. So I go over to him and say, Shabbat Shalom, with a smile. So nice to see you. There's another guy that I'm passing. And that guy doesn't really have connections. He may not have a lot of money, but they have a beautiful daughter that maybe one day I'm going to need for my son. 
I go over to him and say, Shabbat Shalom. So good to see you. Maybe even a hug. The fourth guy doesn't have a daughter, doesn't have money, doesn't have connections, but is socially well-liked. And being with him is a status in itself. So I go over to him and I say, Shabbat Shalom, warm greetings. The fifth guy, I look at him, doesn't have money, doesn't have children, doesn't have connections, not a person who's socially on top. That guy, I walk right by him. I don't need to give him greetings, no Shabbat Shalom, even if I did it on the cold side. You see, when we walk into a room and we see people, for most of us, when we're looking at another person, although we see another person, but all we're seeing is how that person can benefit me. How he can benefit me now, tomorrow, or maybe in 20 years from now. And when I see some benefit that's coming to me from that person, it is then that I notice them. It is then that I greet them. But if I would see there's no benefit whatsoever from that person, not now, not tomorrow, not in 20 years from now, so then he's irrelevant to me. That's what it means that there's a person who only sees himself. Of course he sees physically other people. But when he sees the other person, he's only looking at that person through his own lens of how that person can do for him. He never is able to see another person for who he is, for what he needs. He's never, he's never able to put himself in that person's shoes. Imagine walking into a room and looking around the room and putting yourself in each person's shoe and saying, oh, that guy, oh, if I was in his position, I would need this right now. Let me go give that to him. Oh, that guy, oh, right now he must be dealing with this issue. I bet he can use someone to sit next to him. Oh, that guy, hes I know he's struggling financially. Let me go give him a little hug. That's called seeing another person. It's more than just seeing them physically. It's seeing them where they are. It's seeing them and looking at things from their point of view. And then being able to do for them. Because I now see what they need. I feel what they're looking for. So let's read these words again. There's a type of person that's able to see where the other person is. He's able to think as if he is that person. 
And there is, She'eno ro'e ba'olam ela et atzmo. The only one he sees is himself. Now I gave you an example of a person walking into a shul. But this example could be a person walking into his office. It could be a person walking into the Bet Midrash. A person could walk into a Bet Midrash as well and see anybody who he might need or benefit from. Maybe a great rabbi or maybe a Havruta that maybe he's going to want to learn with. Or maybe someone is going to give him some good recommendation if his name comes up for Shiduchim. Anybody like that, he will be warm to them. He will be appreciative to them. But some person there who he doesn't feel he needs for any reason, he may not see that person whatsoever. Because again, he's walking into the Bet Midrash, looking only at himself. And when he sees people, it's only seeing them as a way that he can get something out of them. This could happen in a house. A husband and wife could be married for 50 years. But they walk into the house every day only thinking about themselves. Of course they do for the other one. But when they do, even the doing is something that has to do back to them. It's an investment so they can get something back for it. I saw a story years ago about a young man in Israel who had many children And of course, having children requires a lot of effort, especially if there's no help. And this man would come home at night and spend hours and hours helping his wife and with the children. Homework, cleaning, bathing, feeding. And his friend would see him constantly struggling, raising his children. And one day his friend sees him and says to him, you know, you work so hard for your family, for your children. What is the goal here? Like, what are you trying? What do you think is the end goal? You're working so hard for something. What is it that you're working for? So he told them, I think I'm working and putting all this effort. One day these children will grow up and they'll bring me tremendous nahat to me and my wife. Tremendous pleasure. I'll see them grown up. I'll see them responsible. I'll see them raising their own children. And this will be a great, Great pleasure for me and my wife. He said, but you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to go ask the rabbi if I'm on to something correct. And let's see what he says. So I believe the story happened where he went to ask the briskerov. He told him the conversation that he had with his friend the night before. He told him the answer that he told him. And he wanted to know if he was on point. The Briskarov told him he was not on point at all. So off, he told him. You're very off. He says, I don't understand you. Your whole life, all you've been is getting. Hashem has given you life. Hashem has given you health. Hashem has given you parents. Hashem has given you food. Hashem has given you family, children. All you've been is getting, 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 getting. And now finally you have a chance to look at somebody else and to give them. And now you're asking, what am I getting for it? It's true. You'll get nachat from your children. It's a great pleasure to see your children grow up. But should that be the reason? Or should the reason be that I finally have what to give to somebody? 
Let me focus on what they need, not what I'm getting out of this. So people could walk into their homes, into their marriages, and even do for their own children. But really they're thinking about themselves. Well-meaning parents usually are successful with their children. But isn't every parent well-meaning? The answer is that well-meaning means that you're thinking only about your son, only about your daughter. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking how you look in the crowd because of what your son is doing, if he's doing this or he's doing that. Very often when we make decisions for our children, we're thinking about ourselves, about our image. We're not thinking about what's best for that child, what they need. Well-meaning means you're looking at things from his perspective and his perspective only. That brings a much higher rate of success. Continues Rav Olben Al-Eshur. He says, this guy who only sees himself, Margish Rak Et Asher Haserlo. He could only feel what he's missing. I mean, if you're this type that only sees things from his vantage point, only things from his eyes, then he could only know what he's missing. He lives only for his own pleasures. He doesn't see the other person's needs. He doesn't see the other person's pleasures. Someone who's only seeing things from his own vantage point, someone who's only seeing things only in his own world, that person never sees a needy person, unless that person is screaming for help. That might get his attention. But otherwise, there'll be an obviously needy person in front of him, needy of money, needy of advice, needy of help, but they won't see them. Because they're not thinking about anyone else but themselves. And then he says, and this kind of person who only sees themselves and doesn't see people around them, gam et habore That person doesn't even see Hashem. He might be religious, he might do religious things. But even the religious things that he does, he's only thinking about himself. He's not seeing it from the eyes of the Creator. It's all about himself. His tefillah is about him. His mitzvot are about him. Shilomo HaMelech says in Kohelet, Lev hacham limino. The wise man has his heart on his right. Velev kesil, and the foolish person has his heart 
lismolo, on his left. According to that, all of us must be fools. Because everyone that we know, wise or the opposite, has their heart on their left. What does Shlomo Melech mean? That the heart of the wise person is on their right. So some explain that it means that the wise person understands that living life where you only see yourself and everybody around is just coming to serve you, if that's the way you approach your life, then you're a fool. You're always looking at your own heart to see what it desires, what it needs. That's living a foolish life. Whereas if a person lives his life by seeing the world through the other people in his life, through his brother, through his sister, through his wife, through his children, through his friends, through his havruta. That person, his heart is to the right because he's always thinking about the needs of the person who's opposite him. And the person opposite me, his heart is always to my right. And I'm seeing the world through his eyes. I'm seeing the needs through his eyes. That's a great person. That's a wise person, says Shalomu Melech. Lev hacham. The heart of the wise man is limino. Is always to his right. He doesn't live a life where he's only focused on himself. There is a Mishnah that all of us know. And I'm going to explain the Mishnah, maybe not its normal translation. But nonetheless, it's a very beautiful hint to the words that have to do with our subject. The Mishnah says in Perkei Avot, Im en anili, mili. Everyone knows that Mishnah. If I'm not for myself, mili. And if I am to myself, ma'ani, what am I? Simply the Mishnah means, I have to be responsible for myself. If I'm not responsible for myself, mili, who's going to be responsible for me? But if I'm all about me, then what am I? I'm a nothing. But notice the words of the Mishnah. One time it says, mili. And one time it says, ma'ani. The word me usually is used when describing a question about a human. They say, mize. Who is this person? They don't ask, maze. If they're asking maze, they're usually asking about a behemah or lower than a behemah. Maze. What is it? So the Mishnah is saying like this, the way it reads, Bederech Remez, Im en anili, If I don't live life only for me, Mi li, me, the word me describing a human is proper for me. Yes, it's proper to refer to this person as me. 
Me means who is he? Where does he come from? What makes him so special? Me, Lee. It's proper that when you refer to Lee to me, you ask me because I'm a human. I'm a human because I live life not just for me. But when the Ani is only for me, when I am completely absorbed in myself, Ma'ani. It's proper that you refer to me as Ma. I'm no longer that valuable human that's called me. Now it's proper to call me Ma. Like I would refer to a Behemah. Now Hashem gave us a tremendous love of self. We love ourselves and that's why we feed ourselves when we're hungry. We love ourselves, that's why we go to work so we can make money and be comfortable. We love ourselves, that's why we look for pleasures. We love ourselves, that's why we look to get healed when we're in pain. We have a drive within us that Hashem gave us automatic we didn't have to work on it. From the day that we're born, we love ourselves. And we want what's best for ourselves. We need that love of self so that we can raise ourselves and that we should become great people. But we must be careful not to take the love of self that Hashem gave us and misuse it. One of the ways that we could use this strong desire of love that we have for ourselves is to measure what it is that we need to do for others. The Torah commands us, You must care for another person. But how much? What's the shiur? What's the amount? We're commanded to eat matzah lel pesach. How much? There's an amount that's called the right amount. And less than that, you didn't do it. So how much do I have to do for others? How much ve'ahavta l're'acha? Says the pasuk, kamocha. You know that love naturally that I gave for yourself? You know how you care about yourself? I gave you that for free. I want you to use that same amount. That same shi'ur. I want you to use it for the people in your life. Your wife. Your children. Your friends. The same way you care for yourself and you worry about yourself and you want to give pleasure to yourself. That's what you should be doing for other people. But you can only do that when you expand yourself. Like it says in the Hagdamah of Share Yosha. He says, it would seem that the love of oneself and the love of another are like opposites, like enemies. He says, Aval alenu he said, well, we must work hard to find that point that brings them together. Where love of self and love of another somehow come together. How does that work? 
He says, first of all, both of them Hashem wants from us. Hashem wants us to love ourselves so we take care of ourselves. And we can continuously raise ourselves and He wants us to love another. He says, what is the point? He says, He said, it should be clear to a person. He has to know that the quality of his ani, if you want to measure, are you a person of quality? Is your ani of substance? Are you someone who we can hold in high regards? He says, it's measured. Lefi madregato. He says, what's the measurement that we say this person is a great person? He says, if a person looks at himself as just a physical body, that's not very qualitative. When he realizes he's more than the physical body, that he's got a neshama as well. He's expanded himself. Ah, now there's more to this person. When he realizes that it's not just about him, it's also about his family, it's his wife, it's his children, it's his parents, it's his brother, it's his sister. He includes more than just himself. His responsibility is not just for him, it's for the people that Hashem put in his life, the closer ones, the most responsible he is for. And all of a sudden that person expands. That person becomes more than just a body. He's a neshama. He's more than a neshama. He's also part of a family. It's a brother, it's a sister. It's a responsibility for a mother, a father, a grandpa, a daughter, a son. He became bigger. When he thinks of the needs, he doesn't just think of himself because he has expanded Himself has become more than just him. He realizes his responsibilities, not just himself. And then that person can get bigger and bigger and bigger when they bring more responsibility into themselves for others. What is a gadol in Am Yisrael? You know, we have hachamim, we have rabbanim, we have wise people, we have rabbis, we have teachers. But there's a certain type of person that we call them a gadol. He could be a rabbi, you could be a hacham, but he has the name gadol. Who gets the name gadol? The answer is that when we're born, every one of us was a katan. Not just because we were small physically. We were a katan because when we're born, we only think about ourselves. The world is there for us. It's our toy. It's our house. It's our mommy. You ever see a kid say, that's my mommy. Even the mom is his. Everything is his. And we grow up that way. And the goal of this little child 
is that as he grows, he realizes there's more than just you. Not physically there's more than just you. That he realizes pretty quick. But he realizes that your occupation of thought is not just with yourself. You got to start thinking for the other person. You got to start seeing the needs of the other person. And then you becomes you and your brother. And then it becomes you and your sister. And it becomes you and your mother and you and your father and you and your wife and you and your children. And then maybe it becomes you and your neighbors. And then maybe it becomes you and your community. And maybe it becomes you and Klal Israel. That Katan who only had himself in mind, who only felt the responsibility for his happiness and his needs, the goal is that he should begin to expand. That's what we say by the Brit Milah. Zea Katan Gadolihiye. This little child who only thinks about himself and only feels responsibility for himself and only cares about himself, we hope that one day he'll be a Gadol. That will expand. A Gadol be Yisrael is a title given to somebody who's worried not just about himself, not just about his family, but about all of Kal Yisrael. He's worried about the people he knows and the ones he doesn't know. He realizes that our responsibility is to every single one of us because we're all in it together. And that's what Hashem wants from us. Hashem doesn't want us to only think about ourselves. He doesn't want us to only worry about ourselves. He doesn't want us only to find the pleasures that we'll give only to ourselves. He wants us to use those drives that we automatically have for ourselves, He wants us to use them for others. That's what a gadol is. Isha gedola, Adam gadol. Someone who has realized that his I, his Ani, like the Shara Yosher says, his Ani is much bigger than himself. How does a person become a gadol? Let's take the example of our Creator. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the ultimate gadol. As David HaMelech says in Tehillim, Ma gadlu ma'asecha Hashem. Hashem, how big of a gadol you are. Hashem's gadlut He's thinking about every human, bringing them life, bringing them health, bringing them food, how much food is being produced every single day for people to eat and to survive and to enjoy. Hashem is worried about their clothing, producing all types of material for them to be able to enjoy their life, to be warm, 
to keep themselves mechubad. There's wool and there's cotton and there's linen and there's leather. Hashem is worried about our housing, producing wood for us, producing materials for us. Hashem is the ultimate gadol. He is thinking for every one of us about what we need. And He's taking care of them one by one. Ma gadlu ma'asecha Hashem, says David HaMelech. Hashem, you're a gadol. He continues that same pasuk by saying, Ma gadlu ma'asecha Hashem, me'od ameku machshevotecha. Your thoughts are extremely deep. What does that mean? That Hashem's thoughts are very deep. Now there are people who are only able to see what their eyes can see. But it's hard for them to see underneath the surface. They hear words and they only hear the words, but they can't see what's behind those words. They see an action, they see the act, but they don't really understand what may have brought to that act or what's sitting under it. Hashem is able to see amok, He's able to see deep. Even what on the surface may not be visible, He's able to see it. That's what it means, Hashem sees in depth. The question is, what does the beginning of the Pasuk have to do with the end of the Pasuk? What does the Gadlut of Hashem, that He's out there doing so much for so many, what does that have to do with His thoughts being deep? The beautiful, important concept and praises of Hashem. But why are they together? The answer is that one is the cause of the other. The gadlut of Hashem, the greatness of Hashem, the reason why Hashem is able to do so much for so many, in so many ways, is because Hashem is able to see deeper. He's able to recognize the needs, even if they're not visible to the human eye. give you a story that we've mentioned before to describe this pasuk. It's a story of the Beit HaLevi. Someone came to him on Erev Pesach, a busy day of preparation for little Pesach, for the Seder. And the Beit HaLevi was preparing and somebody knocked on his door asking him he, that he has a question in halacha. That he'd like to get the rabbi's answer. So the rabbi took time and went to speak to this person on this very busy day. And the man asked him, can a person fulfill his obligation of the Dalet Kosot, of the four Kosot on Lel Pesach? Can he fulfill it with Milk. So the story goes 
the Beit Levi went and asked his wife to bring 25 rubles to give this man. 25 rubles was a, was a lot of money. And the man did not want to take it. But the Bidlavi told him, take it, and when you have, you pay me back. When the man left, Bidlavi's wife asked him, you know, a man came to ask you a question in halacha. I appreciate from the fact that you heard his question, that he's asking about fulfilling the mitzvah of Dalat Kosot with milk, you realize that he has no wine. So you wanted to give him money. I appreciate that. But why 25 rubles? Why so much money? The rabbi answered her, if this man doesn't have money for wine tonight for Pesach, you think he has money to buy meat, chicken? You think he has money to give his children for to wear nice clothing for his wife. Let's look at this story. If it was me, not the Beta Levi, I would have felt great just by the fact that I opened the door to my house at a Pesach to answer somebody's question. I would have felt already like I was giving the guy everything. I'm so busy and I'm willing to open the door and hear the question and answer it. So I would have seen a man who has a question and I will answer that question. And I would feel I satisfied that person. That's called seeing what your eyes see. The Beta Levi's wife was able to see deeper. She was able to see that here is a man that needs wine. He can't afford wine. You see from his question... This man doesn't have money for wine. So because of that, you wanted to give him money to buy wine. But the Beta Levi saw even deeper. He said, if he doesn't have money for wine, then does he have money for this, for that? So therefore he gave more. So you see, the deeper we think, the deeper we see the more gadlut we have, the more great things we could do for that person. The greatness of Hashem, the gadlut of Hashem, is very much connected to His thoughts, that He's able to see what we need. So many times in life, we see people, we look at them, and there are so many messages that we're able to see beyond what our eyes see. But because we're not thinking, because we're not paying attention, because we're self-absorbed, because we see the world only through our eyes, we don't even get to know what they need. Surely if we knew what they needed, we would help them. Anybody here who would see a person in the street, even a stranger, suffering, 
calling for help on the floor with a heart attack? Would anyone not stop to help them? Would anyone not stop anything they're doing in their life to get involved, even if it would take a half hour or an hour, even more? Of course we would. But he's a stranger. Yeah, but of course, but we want to help. Because we know that really, essentially, that's what Hashem wants from us, and that's what the quality of the person is. That's who we are. We are people who help others, who care for others. We know that. But most times we don't have people screaming for help. Because most people will never ask you for things that they need. Very, very few times in your life are you going to have people coming to ask you. But so many people in fact, every person here, every person you know, needs. People need a smile. They're not asking you. People need encouragement. They're not asking you. People need a compliment. They're not asking you. They need it so badly. How many times have you seen a person who heard a compliment about themselves and made believe they didn't hear it so they could hear it again? You've done that. I've done that. Because we love to hear compliments. It gives us strength. Nobody's going to ask you. Your son's not going to ask you. Can you have a compliment please? Your mom's not going to ask you. Could you please thank me for the hard work that I put in to make this dinner? Your grandma's not going to ask you. Your friend's not going to ask you. If a person already is asking you, it must be a very dire situation. A regular person is a person who only sees what his eyes see. If someone is going to yell and scream, maybe then he'll help. But a great person is able to see beyond. We must start living beyond ourselves. And the way we do that is we have to start thinking when we see another person, how does it look from his eyes? What must he be feeling right now? There are many obvious things that we would right away know that that person could use because we could all use it. And possibly we may even uncover things that is not necessarily a need that everyone has. But if we looked really good through that person's eyes, we might even see that. It's not really hard to see the other person's needs. Because essentially, all of us are similar. We're all humans. We all have similar needs. We could all imagine what it is and what it feels like and what's needed in that situation. But we just got to put ourselves in that situation. If we don't put ourselves in that situation, if we're not able to see outside of ourselves and put ourselves in that person's shoes, we will never be able to know what they need. They could be screaming for help, but we will never hear it. That's, what it, that's what's needed to be a gadol. Ma gadlu Hashem? Me'od it's because Hashem is able to see deeper than what looks on the outside. And we must also start to look in depth in the people that 
are in our lives, start at home, start with our children. Our children, believe it or not, if we would see things through their eyes, we would do so much better with them. As much as we love our children, it could be that we're still not doing enough to put ourselves in their shoes and seeing the world through their eyes. We would talk to them differently. We would prepare things differently. We would approach things differently. That's what it's going to take to become a great person. Step out of yourself and enter somebody else's shoes. Chances are that we haven't been doing that. Because we we weren't born that way. And clearly, habit takes over. And we just become this katan. Through the years, we grow in size, but we don't grow in stature. To change habits, we must make a change. Being inspired by this class is not going to change us. Being inspired just wakes us up that we start training ourselves. We must start looking today at others and start practicing how to see things from their angle and start at home and then continue to expand. That was the greatness of Abraham Avinu. The Pasuk says, Vayar, and he saw, He saw three men walking by. And then it says, Vayar, and he saw. But it already says Vayar. It says, Vayar, He saw three men. Why does it repeat Vayar? After the second Vayar, He ran after them. The answer is that the first Vayar, the first seeing, is a seeing that everybody saw. Not only Abraham saw those people. Everybody saw those people. Anyone could see three people walking the streets. But Vayar, Vayar means Abraham saw from their point of view what it must feel like to be on the road for days, for weeks, maybe for months. What does it feel like when you're traveling for so long in a place that is strange to you? Maybe you're hungry, maybe you're thirsty, maybe you need a place to rest, maybe you need a bed to lay on. Maybe you just need someone to give you strength. Vayar means he saw their cry for their needs. He saw a person screaming, help! That nobody else saw. Because to see that, you have to step out of yourself. Vayar, and you have to see things from his eyes. And because Abraham was able to see, Me'od amku because he was able to see through their eyes, that's why he ran after them. We too would run after them if we heard them screaming. But we don't have that mindset. We're self-absorbed. We're not looking at it from their eyes. That's what made Abraham a gadol. Not only Abraham, but all the great people. Take Yosef. 
Yosef's greatness, the Torah describes, he was in jail. Ten years he's in jail. Hopeless. No way to go. And all of a sudden these two men, these two important people come into jail with him. The Pasuk says, Vayar Otam. He saw them. Veinam Zoafim. He saw they looked upset. They looked grumpy. Yosef, if I was Yosef, I'd be looking at myself. I'm there 10 years. Nobody looks at me. These guys are there for one day. Maybe they should be talking to me. Here's the chance for someone to come and heal me. But the greatness of Yosef is Vayar Otam. Yosef saw people screaming for help. They weren't telling him anything. They weren't talking. But their face was screaming for help. And because of that, he asked them, What's wrong? Why does your face look so down? That's the greatness of Yosef. It's the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Pasuk says, Ve'yigdal Moshe. Ve'yigdal Moshe, Moshe. Grew up. Rashi says, it already says, Ve'yigdal Hayeled. We know he already grew up. What's Ve'yigdal Moshe? Rashi says, no. She'minahu paro al beto. Paro gave him a prestigious position in his own palace. Moshe had it all. Moshe had wealth. Moshe had power. Moshe had security. Moshe had comfort. Moshe had a bright future for himself. Vayigdal Moshe. Pasuk says, Vayetze elehav. He went out to his brothers. He went out to help his brothers. He went out to help Aharon and Miriam. And his father Amram and Yocheved and all the people there. All his brothers, the close ones and the far ones. He went out to them. You know how many people? They live behind their palace. They build their magnificent home. They have their money protecting them. And they don't go out to their brothers. They don't go out to see what their brothers are looking for, what they need, what they can do for them. They don't look at their responsibility for other people. They're self-absorbed. They're just living within themselves. Moshe Rabbeinu could have been that person who looks at himself and his future and it looks so beautiful. Yet this man goes out to help other people. He's not hiding in the palace. I have a responsibility to other people who are being taken advantage of. They're my brothers. How can I stay in the palace when people out there can use my help? How does he do that? How does a man in such a position have that courage, the strength to go out and do what he did. Pasuk says, you know why? Vayar besivlotam. Vayar, again that word, he saw. He saw and he felt their pain. He was looking at his brothers, not just from the outside. 
He was looking at his brothers from the inside. He was role-playing. He was imagining he was his brother. He was imagining he was his sister. He was imagining what it felt like to be out there getting hit by the Egyptian. Getting abused. Made to feel like a low life. He put himself in that person's shoes. And when you put Vayar Besivlotam, when you put yourself in that person's shoes, you all of a sudden realize that you have a responsibility and you could do something. And when you realize that, then of course you're going to go. Because we all know that this is our responsibility. He went out to his brothers. Why? Because he saw what it felt like. Because he heard their scream even though they weren't screaming to him. We're not a selfish people. We're not a selfish generation. In the sense that we don't like to help. Of course we like to help. We're not selfish in that way. The problem is we only are thinking about ourselves and that is our selfishness. We're self-absorbed. It's all about me. It's my money, my vacation, my opportunities, my pleasures. In a world where you live only within yourself, there's no room for anybody else. But we must become a gadol. We must make room. We make that room by seeing, by yar, by seeing things through the other person and seeing their needs, feeling their pain. Story I've said many times, I love this story. There's so many stories that could talk about people helping each other. To me, this story is so beautiful because it's so simple. It's not something you have to be a great rabbi to do or very smart to do or very rich to do. It's something that everybody could do. The story of Rav Hutner, Halava Shalom, who had a close student who got married and was not able to have children for many years. Very painful situation. And the whole way, the entire way, he had his rabbi helping him, Rav Hutner. Whether it was hizuk that he needed, or advice that he needed, whether it was spiritual advice, whether it was doctor advice, every step of the way his rabbi was there with him, helping him. And finally, this man was blessed with a child. In the hospital, the baby's born. The first thing he's doing is calling his rabbi who was with him all the way from the beginning. Can't wait to share his simha. You know, when we're happy, we want to share it. It's hard to be married, get married at your wedding day by yourself. It's happy to be married, but we need people to share our joy. First thing he said, I'm calling my rabbi. He calls his rabbi. Rabbi, 
I have good news. My wife just had a baby boy. A healthy baby boy. And the rabbi answers in such a cold tone. I'm sorry. I'm not able to speak right now. Please call me back in 15 minutes. He was so hurt. Couldn't believe it. What kind of reaction is that? No mazaltov, no mabrub, no something. I'm so happy for you. Nothing. How could it be? He was so hurt. Calls back 15 minutes later. And the rabbi says, you're probably wondering what happened 15 minutes ago. And why I sounded so cold on the phone. He said, when you called me, I had a couple sitting in front of me. A couple who had no children. Struggling. Just like you and your wife were struggling. And when you called, I wanted just to come out and give you all the simha that I felt in my heart. But then I realized for a second, said, one second, how would I feel if I was them? How much pain might they have if they realize that another couple had a baby, not them? So I decided that better you should be in pain for 15 minutes with a child than they should be in pain for much longer without a child. That's a kadol. You know how many times we have that in life? Where we're not sensitive to the other person. We're talking about building our house. Another person can't afford rent. Oh, it's taking another six months. Our contract is driving us crazy. That guy can't pay rent. Did you see it from his eyes? We're talking about our children. And how they're driving us crazy. That one doesn't have a child yet. Can't you see that? We're talking about the person that we're getting engaged to and discussing, but that girl doesn't have anybody yet. Can't we see that? Of course we can. You don't have to be Rav Hutna. You don't have to be such a hacham. But you step out of your ani. That much you have to do. You have to see things through their eyes. We must start to practice this. We must start to practice now. It's not going to happen overnight. And we're not going to become a gadol overnight. But we're going to have to start changing the habit. Because yes, we are in a habit of only thinking for ourselves. But it's never too late. Our Mission in this world is to expand ourselves. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Shlomo Melech says a beautiful pasuk in Mishle, will shalom simha. He says, those who advise peace, they have simha. What does that mean? The Midrash explains. The Midrash says, Call me Sheyashen al Mita Anybody who is sleeping, who's going to sleep, is putting his head on his pillow, 
and he starts thinking, what do you usually think about when you go to sleep? We usually think about our day, how we did that day, the good things, the bad things, what we're doing tomorrow, what we're looking forward to. How much money we made, how much we lost. We usually think about ourselves. Which is okay. We're supposed to also think about ourselves. But says, says the Midrash, when a person goes to bed at night and he gives a few seconds, not minutes, a few seconds. Imagine you do this every night. You give a few seconds of thought for another person and you say, tomorrow, I'm going to do that for this person. Tomorrow, I'm going to write a note to my husband. Tomorrow, I'm going to give a little thing to my, to my son. I'm going to put it in his lunch bag, a little note. Tomorrow I'm going to call my mother and tell her something very special. Tomorrow I'm calling grandma and telling her something that I think would make her so happy. Tomorrow I'm going to buy a gift for that teacher. Tomorrow I'm going to give strength to that rabbi. That neighbor I have tomorrow, I'm going to go and say something or do something for them. Imagine every night we took one person in our lives And we decided tomorrow we're going to do this for them. That's called changing habits. That's called breaking the tide. We're used to thinking only about ourselves. We must take moments of our lives and start changing the pattern. Going to sleep, says the Midrash, on your pillow. And you're thinking about tomorrow, how you're going to help somebody. Is a huge turn of events for each and every one of us. It means we're going to sleep thinking about another person. It means we're sleeping as a result of that ending, which may influence the entire night. The way you sleep is the way you're sleeping. Sleep in a good mood is a different kind of sleep. You sleep thinking about somebody else, a different kind of sleep, and you wake up differently. And soon enough, a day, a week, a month, a year, of doing that. And all of a sudden we start expanding. We start becoming the Gadol that they prayed that we would become when we were born. It's not so difficult to see another person's needs. We just must, we just must step in the shoes. I'll end off by sharing with you a beautiful conversation or a beautiful part of Shira Shirim. Shira Shirim is a beautiful song written by Shlomo Amelech as a mashal, a conversation between two people who love each other. The nimshal is the conversation of Hashem and the neshama that's sitting in, in, inside every one of us. The neshama loves Hashem. Hashem loves the neshama. The neshama is tied up in the goof, in the body. It's like a prisoner. And she has these conversations with her Creator. And this Shira Shirim is a song about these conversations. In Perek the neshama says, Ani yeshena. I am sleeping as a result of the person, the goof, the body. 
When a person is sleeping, it means he's off the derech. It means he's not focused. It means he's not realizing the priorities in life. He's not learning Torah. He's not doing mitzvot. He's not doing kindness. Ani yeshena. I am sleeping. What does Hashem do to the neshama that's sleeping? The pasuk says, Kol dodi dofek. The sound of my beloved is knocking. Which, which means Hashem loves us. And no matter how far we go off the derech, He will knock. He will knock means He will wake us up. He will inspire us. It may be through something difficult that He wakes us up. It may be through a simha that He wakes us up. Or just me that we wake up inspired. Every one of us has felt those moments of clarity. That's called Dodi Dofek. Hashem is knocking on our door. Hello, wake up. What are you sleeping? He says, Pit Hili, open up. What are you closed? You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in life. Open up. Let's start our relationship. Let's live a life of Bitahon. Let's live a life of Kedushah. Let's live a life of Torah, a life of Mitzvot, a life of Chesed. Come on, let's go. What are you sleeping? What are you doing? Time is passing. You have a mission. Pithili, open up. Open up the door. You're in a locked room. You put the Neshama prisoner in that room. Open up. Pasuk later on continues and says, Dodi shalach minahor. My beloved, he put his hand in the hole. When he first knocked, I guess there wasn't a hole yet. Because the person was sleeping. Closed, nothing. Off the derech. And then when the person got a knock from Hashem, like I told you earlier, inspiration does nothing. Inspiration just wakes you up, but doesn't mean that anything's going to happen after that. So really, she should have opened the door. She should have said, Hashem, I'm in. I'm ready. Tell me what I have to do. But sometimes we're not capable of such a drastic change. But at least make a hole. You can't open the door. Make a hole. Start doing something. What happens when Hashem sees that we made a hole? Dodi shalach Hashem puts His hand in the hole and reaches out to us even closer. If it was me and I knocked on your door and you didn't open the door and you made a hole, I think I would be offended and leave. But Hashem loves us too much. And if He sees that we made a hole, that we made an effort... He says, I'm in, I'm coming. Shalach Yadoi says, come, I'm getting closer to you. The Pasuk says, Ume'ai hamu alav. When the Neshama saw 
that Hashem sent His hand through the hole. It felt the closeness. It means it started taking something upon Himself. That's what it means, the hole. He started to pray. He started to keep Shabbat. He started to learn. He started to become modest. He started to become more aware of their obligations. They started to feel Hashem's hand. What a beautiful feeling. What a warmth. That's what it means. Dodi shalach Hashem put His hand in. He felt the closeness of Hashem through the whole, through the small effort. hamu alav. My insides churned. Felt something inside of me. You know, when you're in love with something, when you're excited, something inside of you is moving. When you feel Hashem's hand, you feel something so special inside of you. So what she do? When you feel Hashem's warmth, when you feel the closeness, you just want more of it. And at that point, she says, I'm ready to open the door. I'm ready to open the door. I'm ready. I'm fully in. Hashem, I want it all. I made a hole before. I made a small commitment, but I'm ready. How many of us have seen that? How many of us lived that? We made a small commitment to come to a class, to get involved in something, to do something, and all of a sudden, soon enough, we look back and say, Wow! The door opened. Where am I? How did I become like this? I got up to open the door for my beloved. I wanted it all in. Fully committed. Torah, mitzvot, chesed, sniut, every, I'm in. So excited. She was to open the door. Her hands were dripping Dripping of more perfume. It's beotai more over on her fingers, flowing with the perfume. Al kapota by the handles of the lock. She's gonna open the door, but her hands slippery because she's so excited. And then finally, patahti anilodi. The pasuk says, "I opened for my beloved. I did it." I'm fully in. I'm living a completely committed life. And then the unimaginable happens. Patahti anile dodi vedodi hamak avar. Hashem turned his back and ran away. What's going on? What happened? She was sleeping. Hashem knocked on her door. He put his hand in when the hole was made. And now she opened the door and he runs away. How does that make sense? Why did he run away? I saw a beautiful explanation by Rav Shalom Shvadron Zatzal. He says that you know in Hebrew, the word kamti means I got up. Patahti means I opened. What does it say in the Pasuk? Kamti ani. Patahti ani. 
Kamti already means Ani. What do you have to add the word Ani? Patahti means already I opened. Why do you have to add Ani? And he says, because even when we start to grow religiously, it starts becoming about Ani. It's about what I'm doing. About how much I'm learning. How much chesed I'm doing. How much growth I'm growing. Patahti ani. It's about me. Kamti ani. It's about me. My Torah, my Hasid, my mitzvot, my growth, my kedusha. Hashem says, it's about you. I can't be there when it's about you. Aniyashana, when you're sleeping, I'll knock on your door. I'll reach out to you. But if your avodat Hashem is about you, Hashem says, there's no room for me. This, my dear friends, is very powerful. That means even a person who's fully in, fully committed to learn Torah, to, to do the mitzvot, tefillot, hazen, you name it, he's fully in. Patahti, open the door. But even then it could be self-absorbed, it could be about you doing. And if you ask me, what do you mean? Isn't it about me? What does that mean? Don't I have to learn? Don't I have to do mitzvot? Don't I have to grow? Isn't, isn't it about me? So let me tell you something beautiful that I saw of Shimshim Pinkus. That's all right. So every Jew every morning wakes up with the words Mode Ani. Modani means I am thankful, I'm committed. I want to do something. I owe. Mode, I admit that I owe. How come we don't start Ani Mode? Lefanecha. We're used to saying Mode Ani, but isn't it more proper Ani Mode? I admit, I owe. Why do we start mode ani? Why first mode? Because there's a difference. Where is your focus? Of course, it's you that has to do. But is your focus what you're doing? Is your focus what you're giving to Hashem? Or is your focus what you owe Hashem? Very often, we're focused on our Torah, our growth, what we're giving, what we're doing. But we should be focused on how much, how much we owe. Mode ani. First word of our mouth should not be the ani. Not ani mode. It should be mode. 
It should be focused on what I need to give, how much I owe my Creator. It's not about me giving, it's about me owing. Even Avodat Hashem, we must focus our Avodat Hashem not about what I'm giving. I'm not an Ani Modeju, I'm a Mode Aniju. My focus is on what I owe. Once a Talmud came to the great Mashgiach of Lakewood, he saw this man, he saw an image of a Tzadik. My father, Allah Shalom, remember, he used to tell me, go run, get a bracha from him, kiss his hand. He himself wanted to kiss his hand, get a bracha from him. boy from the yeshiva came to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I'm not learning good. I'm not matzliach in my learning. I'm not praying good. I'm not growing. The mashkiach told him, Stop. Stop talking about yourself. I, I, I. It's a bore olam that you owe. There's a cloudy sail around you. Start looking at other people. Start looking outside of yourself. You, you, you're always thinking about yourself. Me, 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 me. Again, of course we have to grow. Of course we have to pray. Of course we have to do. But the focus is not my growth. The focus should be my responsibility. What I owe. Modeani. That's what it says in Dvarim. Anochi omed ben Hashem ben Moshe Rabbeinu simply, the Pasuk means, I stand between you and Hashem. I'm the intermediary between you and God. But as a beautiful hint to wrap up this class, Anochi, the Anochi in me, when it's about me, when the world's about me, and I don't notice what's out of me, what's outside of me, when I'm not putting myself in other people's shoes, when my avodat Hashem is about me and not what I owe, that's Omed ben Hashem u ben That stands between us and Hashem. Hashem cannot be there when there's anochi. The self-absorbed person loses his ability to have Hashem next to him. That's the first step of becoming a giver. The first step of becoming a giver is to step outside the box and start living with responsibility for others and responsibility to Hashem. That's turning the katan that we all were and maybe are. And turning it to a gadol. Baruch Amen ve'amen.